Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 440 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. I am not regretting coming into this conversation today yet. Yet. Well, don't. don't speak too soon. Um, we thought it would be really fun to have a conversation about regrets. Fun maybe is not even the right word. Uh, important because I feel like often we're just kind of encouraged to have like, you know, no regrets like that, Mm -hmm. um, tattoo and, and that can be sort of, uh, I don't know, an unclearable bar. (laughs) Um, it doesn't feel possible. And I'm not sure it's even helpful. I agree. And actually, um, it's something we get asked from our listener community to talk about. Um, I think we we try to frame things as positively as possible while being honest on this show, which which does mean um, I guess we always want moms to feel that whatever has brought them to this point in their parenting is okay, And that For most people and most situations, it is probably going to turn out just okay. And so we don't spend a lot of time talking about what we wish we would have done differently or like we definitely don't want to spend airtime on this podcast, I guess, um, like kicking ourselves while we're down. Or second guessing things. Yeah. Or or definitely making anybody else feel like they that that's how they should be thinking about their parenting choices. And at the same time, it turns out it's really it can be really instructive and really useful um, to talk about regret openly and honestly. I listened to a really interesting interview with the author Dan Pink earlier this year, um, and he wrote a whole book about the power of regret. I think that's the name of the book, The Power of Regret. 
um, and did a whole bunch of research that's really, really fascinating. But it boils down to everybody has regret, even if you do have a tattoo that says <laughs> otherwise or like it's I don't know, it's a bumper sticker on your car that um, something like over 80 percent of the people who voluntarily participated in his research, like 83 percent of people not only had um, things in their life they wish they would have done differently, but were really eager to talk about it. And once they started talking about it, um, felt really connected to other people who were sharing their regrets. So there's something to this idea of with as little judgment as possible, opening up about things we wish we could have, would have done differently. Could have, would have, should have. Yeah. That we would have done differently or that would have happened differently, whether or not it has anything to do with our choices. Even I feel like it's a little bit of a trap to, um, try to rewrite, reframe everything to where like it, it all happens for a reason. Everything is the way it should be because of this and that. And in a weird way, I can hold kind of contradictory beliefs because in some ways I do feel like every, every choice I've made has led me to where I am. And I can't think of anything I actually want to change about where I am now. Right. But that's because I don't know how things would have turned out had I done something else. And had I done something else, I'd be having the exact same thoughts. So it's, I don't know. I have been on a journey, uh, recently of trying to feel my actual feelings. It is something that I didn't realize I wasn't doing. Um, especially when they're negative feelings, I'm not good at feeling those or even knowing they're happening. Like I'm, I, I am, um, I'm geared toward positivity to a fault sometimes, Mm -hmm. which means that I don't always realize what I'm feeling. And then later I'm like, wait, why am I having, and I'm not really a panic attack, but why can't I sleep at night? Or why am I so mad about this thing or whatever? It's because I didn't feel the feeling I needed to feel when I was feeling it. Wow. That was a lot of feelings. And I feel like, uh, regretting things in a healthy way is actually sort of like a little self therapy. Yes. Um, in this article that I can link up, um, the, it was someone interviewing Dan Pink and they talk about how regrets are really complex. It is a negative emotion because it requires you to, it is it, you know, it's inherently kind of unpleasant, but it's also a really cognitively complex process for your Mm -hmm. brain. You have to kind of time travel back and think about what happened, what you might do differently. Um, it requires a lot of self-compassion. And I think when done, um, when done with self-compassion can be really useful. Um, I thought this was interesting too, from the research. And I don't know, I'm curious if you, if this rings true for you, but, um, they learned that people, young people, like people in their twenties, have about the same number of regrets of action, which is when you regret something you did do. So like you drank too much and, you know, quit your job in a drunken email or something you did that you regret. Is this Um, something you did, Sarah? No, I didn't. I was like on the fly (laughs) trying to come up with something Um, versus regrets of inaction. So something you didn't do, like you, you didn't go out for that promotion or you didn't um, I don't know, ask someone out on a date that you wish you, you weren't brave. So a regret of inaction. And so young people have about equal amount of regrets of action, regrets of inaction. The older we get, the more our regrets shift toward regrets of inaction, meaning in our forties, fifties beyond, we're looking back and primarily regretting, um, chances we didn't take opportunities. We didn't go after, um, you know, Mm. like little, 
little things we could have done that we were too scared or too hung up to do. So I, I think that's true for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not in my seventies yet, but I would say, um, it's getting to where I think so much of what I regretted in my twenties or thirties was due to embarrassment, feeling embarrassment or awkwardness or something about something I did. Yeah. And the further you get from that flush of embarrassment, like the further you get away from that, the more you, it doesn't matter anymore. Like it doesn't, you don't really care that when you were 32, you, I don't know, put yourself out there for some role at work and then didn't get it because now the sting has gone out of it. Whereas if you were 60 and you're looking back at when you were 30 and thinking, why didn't I go out for that thing? Yeah. 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 So I could totally see that. Um, and I do feel like it's, it's moving in that direction for sure. Um, I also want to just mention that we're going to talk about a couple of like big parenting choices that we either regret making or not making, and then some little things. And I feel like the big things can feel heavier because when I think of big things, I mean, things that had you not done this thing or had you done this thing, it would have changed the trajectory of your parenting. So big stuff, right? Versus little things like, gosh, I wish I hadn't yelled at my kid that one day, or I hadn't done this or that other thing. but I guess I want to also be clear that like our regrets don't have to be you, the listeners, like cautionary tale. Yeah. It's, we're not trying to tell you if you do this thing or don't do this thing, you will have the same feelings about it later that we did. And if anything, I want it to feel kind of freeing where it's like, A, maybe there's a thing you really want to do and hearing us say we wish we had felt freer or mm-hmm. um, stronger to do those things might give you some confidence or some context or some big picture. So that's one thing. Or also just to hear like everybody has little foibles and we all get over them. Like it's, you know, it's both. It's both. Well, and I think in today's parenting culture, so I'm really glad you said that because I agree, we are going to get vulnerable and mention some specific regrets. And that is not to say that if you are doing the thing we regret doing, that's not the point. (laughs) That is not, that is not what we hope you'll take away. But um, in today's parenting culture, I think there's also this um, dangerous, this dangerous idea that we could do things so well with our kids by following all the right latest advice that we will never have to look back with regret. And I have fallen into that trap before thinking like, what should I do today so that I don't regret this later? And I think maybe that's a useful thought exercise once in a while, but I, I think ultimately it's probably because we don't know the things we're doing today that we are going to regret yes. later. That's the whole point. If we knew if if regret was preventable because you knew you probably wouldn't do it. I mean, right. do, do you see what I'm saying? So I guess I also don't want anyone to come away from this episode thinking the idea is to get ahead of all these regrets and so that we don't make any mistakes so we don't have to have regrets later. I am trying to welcome and accept the idea that I will experience the feeling of regret for my entire life. And then what we do yeah. with that, how we share it, how we process it and what we choose to do next is the work, not yeah. the avoidance of the pain of regret. I also think that the re- the reasons that we regret something or the reason we did or didn't do the thing that we regret doing or not doing tells us a lot about ourselves and why we may or may not regret that thing. So it's like so individual And we're not talking about things that are like moral judgments either. It's not like I'm going to say, you know, 
I regret that time. I purposely held my child's hand on a hot stove. <laughs> like, not talking about stuff like that. You know, it's like, it's more like things that if you had done the exact same thing as me, you, you probably would be like, yeah, that's great. I, I don't even think about it again. So right. it's a deeply personal reason why I might've done the thing or regretted having done the thing. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, it, it, it just shows you that, like you said, you, you wouldn't know in the moment that you'd regret it later because sometimes these things don't, um, they don't reveal themselves until later. Later. Yep. Yeah. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, well, let's get the big ones over with. We've each chosen something that feels big to us as a kind of pivotal um, parenting or motherhood regret. Um, and then why it happened or maybe just kind of what happened and why you regret it. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. And this is one that I didn't, again, trying to feel my feelings. I don't think I really realized how many feels I still have had um, piling up about this for the past now nearly 20 years. But um, we were homeschool quitters. We did it for one year. Okay. And for us, 
we did it for all the right reasons and we quit for all the wrong ways reasons. And, um, I'll just, so your regret you. is that you didn't stick it I, out just to I regret. My regret is that I didn't stick it out. Okay. And, and I think it's not because I didn't get to the end of the first year and think, I don't actually think this is like a way I want to live or like, I don't actually believe in this or I don't actually see this lifestyle working out. In fact, I felt the opposite. I really did see the value in it. It really did make more sense for the kind of life I was trying to build with my kids. Um, it would have made things a lot simpler for us in some ways when we were moving around and stuff like that. The reasons we quit were all mm, like caving to social pressure and responding to momentary discomfort and not looking at the big picture. And when, <laughs> when I look back through my life and look at mistakes I've made, mm-hmm. um, they're almost all for one of those two reasons or both. Either okay, so say the reasons again, because this is really good. Yes. I either let other people get to me okay. like what they thought I should do, or I made a decision to solve a today problem, mm-hmm. not to uh, set up for like a lifetime solution. It was, it would be like, um, okay, for example, one of the reasons is that my oldest had a hard time starting to read mm-hmm. everything I read told me, chill out. It's going to be okay. He will pick this up. Uh, but certain people in my family did not agree with that. And I got a lot of pressure to that. I was like wrecking him in some way. Um, I actually think of all my kids, he would have been the one that would have benefited the most from homeschooling. And I really regret that I didn't listen to my gut. I really regret that I let just like outside voices get in my head. and. The other thing would be, I felt like we had to do it a certain way and that it was really hard at that time because I had, let's see, that would have been when Will was a toddler and Owen was on the way. So I had like three little kids. I was pregnant with my fourth. And I remember just being like, well, how can I do all these things I'm supposed to do? And I think I was like trying to get my writing career off the ground or it was off the ground, but whatever. It was like, all of these would have been solvable problems if I had, if I had just thought through to the big picture and said, okay, well, what will life look like in six months or a year? They won't look the way that it looks right now. What can I give up to make this work? How can we homeschool in a way that, um, doesn't look the way like other families are doing it where they're driving around all day and going to all these classes. Like maybe we don't have to do that. And I solved for like, I want to be less uncomfortable right now. I'm not beating myself up about this. I know why I did it. And I have a lot of compassion for that young mom that I was and feeling like I wanted, I had something to prove, you know, like there was a lot going on and I was young and had a lot of kids and there were already a lot of things about us that were so unconventional. And I don't think I had a lot of support to be unconventional Mm -hmm. and I don't think I knew where to look for it. So all that to say, I think we bailed for the wrong reasons. And that's what I regret. Not the, not where my kids wound up going to school or any of that. It's all been fine. That's been fine. Um, and most of them have had a fine experience in school and whatever. It's more just like, I think it would have been more true to what I wanted to yeah. keep going. And yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I didn't know what I, what my, my big regret was going to be until like we were outlining this episode and then it kind of came to me, which I think it's pro- means it's probably the most true. Um, so my regret is not pursuing a VBAC. 
um, after my first cesarean section. So during my second pregnancy. So my regret goes all the way back to wow. birth, birthing. Yeah. Um, it's a birth. And, I, and let me just interrupt you really quick mm-hmm. to say, I've never heard you express that. So yeah. that surprises me. I know. And we've talked about our births several times. Um, yeah. So the regret is not at least pursuing the option of a VBAC. Um, not, I don't have a regret about the outcome of a cesarean section. And I had three healthy babies via C-section. And I have a lot of gratitude for um, C-section when it is the best option. So this is not an anti-surgical um, birth <laughs> regret. It is a me not asking enough questions and not really taking charge of my second opportunity to give birth because knowing what I know now, I would have been a really good candidate for a VBAC. And, um, there was a lot of just like, go with the flow. Don't ask a lot of questions that was happening. And that's the, it's the, that's the behavior I regret, not the actual outcome because I may have pursued a VBAC and still ended up in a second C-section. And I think that would have been fine. Um, Not pursuing the VBAC during my second pregnancy also led me to, to be really not a great medical candidate for a VBAC the third time around. Um, And that means that I never experienced labor at all. And I have sadness about that. So um, the way it kind of played out is I had a C-section the first time because my baby was breach and I have a uterine anomaly that made the, the version, not a great, not a great candidate for that, blah, 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 had a successful C-section. And that second pregnancy, I just sort of let myself go along with mainstream obstetrics, which at the time was not totally anti-VBAC. It was like, there were people having VBACs, but they weren't the people in my practice in my town. And I kind of knew that. I mean, I, I even remember at the time, like not having any judgment about more natural approaches to birth. I just sort of like let the current take me. And the current was I was in a very mainstream medical like those were the waters I was swimming in. Um, I think the part that I the piece that is regret is not is is that it was a relatively unexamined decision. And that's the part that I would do differently if I could do it all over again, is, is think a little bit harder about what I wanted, spend a little more time kind of weighing options or asking questions. Um, and I just think I had a discomfort with being even a little bit outside the mainstream. Cause actually I wouldn't have been, I mean, I could have had a VBAC in a hospital with my OB, so it would not have been a radical decision, but even a little bit outside the mainstream was uncomfortable for me. Um, and that's something I regret. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I I think it's interesting that both of the things that we chose were okay with the outcomes. I can think of some things I'm sad about and there definitely would have been a much bigger, uh, for me, a a different lifestyle entirely. And there's some things I'm really sad about, but what I'm, what bothers me the most is what it said about me. Yeah. (laughs) And like my tendencies or like what other decisions did I fall into because I didn't want to push back against what other people thought or, um, where I didn't want to, um, rock the boat or where I didn't want to be uncomfortable temporarily for the greater good. Right. And I think it's like, there's both the sadness over what happened or didn't happen, but then there's also that like, Ooh, but it's a little uncomfortable now to, with all of these 
many years of hindsight to look back and go, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah. And I'm not mad at myself. How could I be? But I can also recognize that. Yeah. What it was. Yeah. Do you think so when you listed the reasons for your regret, uh, momentary Mm -hmm. discomfort, uh, outside pressures, and that is 20 years ago. Do you think those are areas that you've grown in over time to where not like you'd be making a homeschool decision tomorrow, but you might be making some other kind of decision tomorrow. And do you think those are still things that are tricky for you or getting less tricky in middle age? They're they're areas of growth. They're probably still my Achilles tendon. Yeah. Um, But yes, there's been, I don't, if if there hadn't been growth, I don't think I would, it would even occur to me to regret it. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. 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 So what about you? I I think the same. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the themes for mine is it was my second pregnancy, right? So going along with what worked before and being risk averse and I understand that talking about risks with regard to birth is that's a whole different topic, but what I believed to be it was risk averse in that it was the same thing I did the first time, so why not repeat something that worked pretty well? Um, I, I think that is for sure a trap that I can fall into because it feels it has the illusion of safety, right? Like if you people who are slightly more risk averse or more anxious, we like the illusion of safety when in a world where we're not, we're hardly ever guaranteed safety. So doing something the same way or having a, like a, something that feels predictable. And, and I'm stressing that it isn't because cesarean section is major surgery and there's a lot of risks associated with that. But to me, it felt easy and safe. And because it, because it was familiar, it was familiar, actually safer. Exactly. More familiar. Exactly. And is that a trap that I continue to fall into 1 million percent? But yeah, like you said, we have the benefit of some growth. And I actually think the other, the other area that came up for mine was this sort of like, almost like living an unexamined life. Like I just didn't think very much about it. And that I do feel like I have that I feel like has come with age that maybe I am a little better at that of thinking more, um, challenging my own thinking or why, why am I just going along with this? Or like, who else do I need to check in with about this rather than just like, shoot, like getting, I'm picturing getting on like the moving walkway without really knowing where I'm going. And I do think I'm a little better about that at 43 than 30. You've also mentioned in the past that you, um, would have a tendency to like look to an authority. And if the, if the the authority says it's the thing to do, then you kind of just go with it. And the funny thing about really anything you want to do is that there is an authority out there who will tell you it's the right thing and the wrong thing. So, you know, like who says that's the correct authority for you to follow, but it was the one who you happened to already be talking to or like that was already in your, in your sphere. And that can be, I think, dangerous, um, for all of us, like a dangerous path to put too much stock into something just because they, and putting that in like the big quote, say so, because who are they? Like there's lots of they's out there. All right, Sarah. Well, that was relatively heavy. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but hopefully, I don't know, hopefully reassuring because I just feel like we've all been there in some way, whatever our personal reasons are or our, the reasons why we do things, you know, um, we've all got something like that. And I feel like we should say, it's not like those are the only big parenting regrets we have. We purposely for this episode, 
um, decided to kind of like dive deep into a couple that felt like biggies and really look at them like, why do we regret them? What would, you know, but that was a thought experiment. There are others we have not probably even mentioned. And then we're going to we're going to banter about some little maybe little lighter fare yeah. coming up. But I don't want anybody to think like, well, that was it. I have one one regret. Yeah, I'm no. sure I could come up with a lot. And more. I also think that we both purposely didn't. We didn't talk about this, but I think we purposely didn't choose something that was like bad parenting. Yeah. You know, in quotes. Because I've got those too. I've got times where I just did bad parenting. But what would be the point of us getting here talking about that? Like, the point is that we each did something that was like, again, there's really no value judgment against it. It's just, it didn't, like, we now, examining it now, we have some regrets. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So we talked about some biggies. Now let's talk about some smallies. Let's just talk about a couple of littler things that we did or didn't do um, that we wish we had or had not. Yeah, I love this. We're lightening it up a little bit. Okay. Well, I really regret not finding a way to journal or document my life as a younger mom with little kids. 
any which way. Um, I do regret not finding a rhythm with writing down stuff about like bigger feelings. I think that would have been really helpful um, to me in some like harder seasons of motherhood. But I also regret just not having like a line a day journal where I wrote down funny things the kids did or said or milestones. Honestly, you would think that this would be right up my right in my wheelhouse. But this is a case of perfect being the enemy of good and thinking it had to look a certain way or I had to have the right approach or another trap I can fall into is I have to stick with the same method. Mm -hmm. Um, like, okay, I'm going to start a baby book with my first baby. So then that's got to be the same for all three kids. And instead I just did nothing. And, um, I, I still struggle with journaling, but I still love the idea of looking back and photos are all I really have. Luckily I have a lot of like memories and we have this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I really regret not just getting over those silly hangups and doing something, something, anything better than nothing with regard to journaling my feelings and journaling about my kids. I, when I look back at mine, it's so all over the place, which I think could be okay too. But I have like some years I was writing a parenting column. So when Jake and Isaac were like school aged, I was writing a parenting column. I know I, there, there's lots documented. I could find those somewhere. I don't know yeah. where they are, but I could find them. And then kind of went to the social media age. So like when Owen and Will and Clara were little, there was a lot of um, Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook posts where I talked about them, but it, it would take some doing to go find those things now because yeah. they're not like, it's not like a book, you know, it's yeah. not like a journal or a, a space, which we should maybe mention. Oh, speaking of, okay, I did not do this on purpose, but can we announce that we, we can have a yes. gratitude journal coming out next yes. spring? Absolutely. I promise this was not planned this way. I kind of forgot until I, until I had this one, but yeah, we helped put together, co-author, um, a guided gratitude journal for moms that's coming out in Mother's Day 2024. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's much more than just, um, today I am grateful for this. It's right. kind of like, think of it as like a combination baby book, memory keeper, um, and a place to share your thoughts and feelings about motherhood with yourself, but just like in an easy and low key way. And I am really looking forward to people having, cause it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to listeners having the opportunity to just have that one place. You just stick stuff and don't overthink it. Just it's sometimes nice to have something there. templatized. Like we, there's like a fun section. That's like a day in the life, which I always, you know how like day in the life stuff on Instagram is so fun to just capture yep. Like, what is my life like right now? Which seems unremarkable, but we all know that 15 years from now, those little details are the things that are so fun to look back on. So that's what, that's kind of where we were coming from. Like, how can we quickly give moms a way to capture what their life is like without the pressure of like capital J journaling or capital G gratitude or capital letter, anything pressure. We'll, we will be sharing more about that when it gets close to coming out, but um, definitely wanted to make sure we mention it here because it's so relevant. Um, okay. Well, I think for myself, and again, this isn't like a value judgment. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way I did it, but I kind of wish I had made things a little easier on myself. Um, by kind of knowing what I was getting into with the fact that I was co-sleeping extended nursing and having a lot of kids. Yeah, you were doing it all. I didn't have a plan going into breastfeeding. Like I knew I was going to nurse for a long time, but I didn't really think about 
when it would end, how it would end, when I would want it to end. Um, I was co-sleeping, but I didn't really think, you know, I just didn't really think too much about how it would be when I had a two-year-old who wasn't really wanting to get out of my bed, but also now a newborn coming into the bed. Like I just, uh, it worked until it didn't. And then it was really hard to get my feet under me. It's really hard to have a toddler and a, and a newborn to begin with. Right. Um, but it's really, really, really hard when you don't have those things quite figured out. And the funny thing is, I don't think it would have taken that much doing. I think it would have been making, it would have been deciding. That's what it would have been. It would have been like, this is how long I want to breastfeed, or this is how I want this to look. And just working backward a little bit, I don't think I would have had to be real hardcore about it. Um, it could have been a few small changes. It could have been getting family to help. It could have been getting my spouse to be more, you know, helpful in like a specific ways. And I think I was just pretty overwhelmed, honestly. And it felt easier to really dig into the overwhelm because I was good at it. I was good at managing what looked like chaos yeah, and just being okay in that. But I think that I, I could have probably reined it in a bit. So when you say made things easier on yourself or hard to get your feet under you, can you describe the actual pain point that you maybe now feels like, oh, I could have, that could have not been so hard. Was it sleep deprivation? Was it feeling like you had no time to yourself? Was it feeling just un- the unpredictable and chaotic? Um, I, I don't think it was sleep deprivation. I really didn't seem, I didn't feel very sleep deprived. I, it, we recently did a listener question where we, uh, episode where we had a question from a mom who was saying yeah. that um the other co-sleeping <laughs> um parents that she know would just put their kids to bed and they would just go to sleep and then she would like leave the room and i remember thinking like what like that was not my experience with most of my kids um for most of that time so there was just a lot of time of feeling like that process was kind of just my life dominating. for a while. Yeah, it so was very did, dominating. Yeah. And, 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 and you were the of, only solution. I was the only babies. solution. Yeah. And then if I, once that wind down started at night, that was kind of it. I probably wasn't going to get more time to myself. Not, not the entire time. It's not like it never happened, but there would be stretches. There would be months long stretches where I would feel like, well, I just kind of live in my bed now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was, it's fine. It, it's, there are stretches like that with a lot of different phases, you know, there's stretches where you don't sleep or where you're just drowning in diapers all the time. Or like your life just feels like, uh, that play that groundhog day just keeps happening over and over. And that was my particular groundhog's day. And I think I probably, I think there's probably some things I could have done in some way to make that easier. If I had been able to even think ahead a little bit and like get in front of it. And I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. well, you yeah. were just probably tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I was also just like, whatever. Yeah. I'll just do what I got to do and yeah. it'll be fine. And, and it was, you know, but it, it could have been a little better, I think, for me. Yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed hearing you talk about uh, co-sleeping and that whole world. Um, I always, I have always thought that you have a lot of compassion for yourself back then, but also for other moms um, doing it that way. And yeah, you're right. We just a week or two ago had a co-sleeping. So I'm, I feel like I have a, a, an image of you in that stage of life. And, um, just picture a, like a glass, like a glassy eye. (laughs) 
I mean, I feel like I probably would look to people on the outside like I was on some kind of drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. I bet it, but it's because I truly was just like, okay. Yeah. And I don't think of it as an unhappy time. Right. Um, at all, actually. But it was like I was on Quaaludes. Yeah. And so it sounds like the really the regret is more about a little tiny bit in the other direction could have yeah. maybe brought you quite a bit of relief. Not that yes. you like should have done the whole thing differently, but no, that yeah, I, don't think I can so. relate to that. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a yeah. tiny little tweak would have made a big difference. And the tweak honestly might have been me being like, guess what? Uh every Tuesday night, I'm not gonna be around for this right. in some structured way. I'm just going to, we're not going to change what we're doing. I'm just not going to be part of it once a week. And I think I also had a hang up about me having to be the one in that. Like I could have gone to a coffee shop and had a hot chocolate and read a book on a Tuesday night from eight to 10. Like there's no reason why really I couldn't have done that, except I just didn't do that. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like when you're, when you're geared toward having less structure, it's then everything is so unstructured that it's hard to like even find one thing. Yeah. One rock to put into your life. And I feel like a rock would have helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one might be unpopular and it's tis the season, but (laughs) I have some vague free floating regrets about the way that we handled and you can, um, you can pause if you have little Christmas believers listening. Um, I will give you this chance to give them something else. We are to going do. to be talking about a Holiday jolly magic, a jolly yeah. person. <laughs> we are going to be talking about <laughs> holiday magic. Now you have okay. Your kids are out of the room, or you press pause. Um, I have some free floating, vague regrets about the way we handled Santa in the making of our family's holiday magic, and I can now look back because my youngest is ten. And I think this will be her second year of not believing. So I think by last year, she was not, she was almost 10 last Christmas. And I think that was the first Christmas that she knew the whole truth. So up until then, you know, I had whatever, however many, 13, 14 years of making Santa magic with my kids. I don't regret it all. Just like you don't regret all of co-sleeping. But I think if I had to do it over again, I would um, lessen the like the large and in chargeness of the Santa story in our overall holiday story in our family. I would have found a way to have Santa be kind of a more minor character in the way we talked about holiday magic and where presents come from. I for sure would have had Santa do something like bring stockings or candy and that's yeah, it. And not and get all had, the credit. Yes. I mean, like 1 million percent. I regretted that <laughs> within a few years, but the, the train had left the station a bit. Um, I, I a little bit regret that not framing it as kind of myth and magic. And I do regret a little bit the some of the literal storytelling we did and the upholding of the story didn't feel great to me. And I think what I most regret is not paying attention to some early like mom spidey senses that it just didn't sit quite right with me. And yet we... <laughs> We just kept doing it anyway. And by the last two or three years of having a Santa believer in the house, I was really uncomfortable and it made the the holidays not very enjoyable. And I, I hope everyone listening knows I'm speaking for myself. Your holiday magic making in other households could be totally different. And I have no judgment or any problem with that. 
What I regret is not really listening to my own gut on that one. And we got through it. And none of my kids believe in Santa anymore. And we're all good. But I have some regrets. Do you when you say you were uncomfortable, do you feel like do you mean that you were uncomfortable with what you had to continue to do to keep it alive? Like once you were so in, it's like um when you watch a sitcom where the kid tells a lie once and then they have to keep telling bigger yeah. and bigger lies. Was it like that? I or was so. it like the whole thing just didn't feel good? No, I think it's the um it's when you get kids like four, five, and six who are so curious about the world and they're asking such earnest questions about the way things work and and you're, you know, in the same day, you're telling them about like how the stars glow at night and how fish right. breathe underwater and that a fat dude comes down your chimney in the middle of the night. And I know this is I know people get riled up on all sides of this debate, and that's not my intention to start that. But I don't think I enjoyed perpetuating the story like when they got to that critical thinking stage. And I wish I had found it a way to talk about what's so magical about the holidays and how surprises are magical and buying gifts and surprising people with gifts is magical and so many other things. I wish I'd found a way to talk about that that felt a little more truthful um, and still exciting and wonderful. Yeah. But I didn't. So I just, I tried, to, we've talked, I mean, we've done episodes about it. I've tried to, I just tried to kind of deflect those questions. I don't know. What do you think? Like there are yeah. ways to do it, but it never felt great to me. Um, and I did it anyway. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And I feel, I do feel like this is one of those places where it's really hard to win as a parent in yeah. this because I did a lot of that. I don't know. What do you think? And in fact, I did it so much sometimes that it, my kids probably thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> like, man, mom is a dummy. She doesn't know she anything. Has no idea. Um, but I just, at that point, and I didn't even like, we, we did we did the whole holiday magic thing, but I wouldn't even say to an excess. It was part of the story. Uh, definitely like the crown, like the thing that made them all go to bed, which was yeah. helpful as a helpful tool for me on Christmas Eve. But like, I, I don't even remember it being that outsized. It's just sort of like so omnipresent that once they're in, it's yeah. really hard to get a kid who wants to be in out. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's really no way to do it at some stage without just being 100% truthful in a way that almost feels untruthful in its yeah. like starkness, yeah. you know? So yeah, there was a lot of mom looking like just an idiot. And, over and here. kids are so different. You, you never know. I think some kids deeply are truly magical believers naturally. And some kids are not. So yeah. it just, yeah, I think it, it really like picked at some kind of, um, allergy I have to, um, I, I don't know, like to the awkwardness of having to uphold a little white lie, even if it's the most yeah. benign and good natured, it just was tough for me. And the regret is that I didn't find my own way out of that in time. And you kind of have to underestimate your kids a little bit or something like you can't really give them the credit of being as smart or as aware as they are Yeah, because in a family, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Like yeah. once it's really hard to have coming. So the, right. and yeah. it's really difficult to have multiple levels of belief happening yeah. unless the non-believers are so in on it that they will help uphold it for the littles or the others. And it's not always the oldest that, yeah. Yeah. you know, don't believe, but anyway, it's, it's tricky, but I hear you. Yeah. And, and like, just like you said, with sleeping and co-sleeping, 
I don't regret like all of it. I just wish I'd found like a, a, a way that felt a little bit more me a little sooner. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. 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 Well, I've got one more. And this is something that I now look back at as a 46 year old person who does not have the level of skill that I would like to have in, in certain home arts, shall we say. Okay. And what I really liked about being a, in the home mom, and I'm just saying in the home, because I did work from home much of, if not all, most of, most of my kids' lives, but I was in the home more than I was out of the home. I was definitely like a working from home mom. Mm -hmm. And the thing I liked the most about being in my house with my kids was make like homemakey stuff. I loved those things. And I went into really young motherhood with a, like a lot of like big, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like aspirations yeah. and dreams and fantasies about how that might look. And then got very, uh, I just ran up against a wall of reality of mm-hmm. like not knowing how to do things and not having time to learn and not having time to, or space, like not like kind of like talking about being stuck in my bed. And trying yeah. to figure out how I could get up. Um, I feel like the time I could have put into those things, I just didn't make the time or space. And I kind of wish I had uh, leaned in a little bit more to the things I really would have loved about homemaking back in those days. I did finally kind of learn how to cook and that was really enjoyable for me, mm-hmm. but there's other things. I really wanted to learn how to like mend clothes. I wanted to learn yeah. how to, um, reuse more things and garden. And those, all of those things would have little like small spurts of activity in my life, but I never really got my head around any of them. And I think it was just because there was a lot going on and I wasn't really like, I feel like I thought I had to do all the things I could do with my kids around me all the time. And I didn't realize that the people who are actually you know, regularly crafting or scrapbooking or gardening or whatever, they're probably not doing the bulk of that work with a baby and a toddler and a preschooler full-time freelance writing career. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I just wish I would have, it's not even necessarily like, I wish I had done this differently. It's just, I wish I had had a different experience. Yeah. I wonder um, if Instagram had been the way it is now when you were like 26 with three kids. Yeah. Do you think it would have been more demoralizing or do you think that would have been because you and I send each other reels of like silly crafts and things now that we can laugh about because we're midlife people with teenagers and we have more time. But do you think that would have been harder for you or or maybe a good thing to like, I don't know, kick you in the pants to start something? Probably a little of both. Let me just say I'm good at demoralizing myself with or without (laughs) social media. (laughs) I was great at it back then. I just would read books and forums and things like that. Yeah. I would just, yeah. Analog analog self-criticism. Exactly. (laughs) I found ways to demoralize myself starting from the beginning. And I think there is something about social media. I mean, it definitely it makes you sometimes have to like look twice or three times at something to even realize if it's real or satire. And you and I have had that moment where we'll share a reel and we're like, wait, is this real? Or is this on the joke? Like, right. Is is this for this person? Yeah. And and then you realize, no, there's just no way like this has got to be satire. Um, I think I probably already had a pretty fine tuned baloney meter 
even in those days for things that were just so over the top or so ridiculous or like, um, so even when I was young, I don't know how I would have reacted to today's social media, but I think I would have been over it kind of quickly. Yeah. But I do think the good thing about social media and YouTube and things like that is just the accessibility of bite-sized information and people honestly encouraging you and saying, yeah, you can do this if you just do it this way. Don't worry about it looking perfect or whatever. And I think um, that actually might've helped me. I think for me, it was not lack of inspiration. It was like lack of knowledge and maybe a little confidence, like not really knowing what do I actually need to have? And then what can I, how do I actually do this thing? Yeah. And uh, I have a little trepidation about starting projects, but I am not really great at reading instructions. Honestly, I don't, I'm not good at following instructions. It takes me, I just kind of have to get my hands on stuff and mess it up. And I think I had a lot of aversion to doing that, like just, just jumping in yeah, and messing and it, stuff it, up. And it, it's understandable because your stage of life was already plenty messy. You yes, know, so there was a like, lot of mess. Like yes. we're not just going to experiment with a new recipe or a gardening project when you can't even get yeah. the toys up off the floor. So it's very understandable, I guess, is the point. But um, that's what midlife lady crafty pursuits are for. You are so right. And I'm trying to remind myself that I don't have to do these things for a family. I can do them for myself. Um, And that is one of the, I don't know, that's one of the great things about your kids getting older. It's like, you can realize like, maybe I didn't get to it then, but I still have time. Absolutely. Well, uh, I do not regret having this conversation. I thought it was really Really fun, actually. Um, And as always, we love to hear from you all, what you think of this idea. Um, we're hello at the momhour.com. If you have a regret, you want to email us or just get unburden your yourself. Yeah. And that's <laughs> yeah. what the Dan Pink research really showed. I think the way he set up, it was called the world regret project or something like that. And it was a place where people could anonymously share a regret, like literally get it off their chest. And it was like 15,000 people responded And then there was a place where they could say they could put their email address to like be contacted to talk more about it because they were doing qualitative research. And like a third of them, like not only shared their regret, but said, yes, like I'd like to talk more about this. So there is something therapeutic or uh, connective in in talking about it. So thanks to you all for listening to us today. And you can email us um, or find us in the listener Facebook group or um, comment on Instagram. And Megan, we will be back with everybody next week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.